This is No Halos Here, hosted by Jen Lang and Jane Stark, the place to inspire a change in your consciousness to elevate the world. We're two heart-centered business owners nourishing our inner rebels while growing our respective businesses. No Halos Here is the result of bringing together an opera singer turned spiritual mentor and a marketing professional turned well-being coach to meditate daily. Together, we unite physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual energies into a powerful presence to lead, heal, and inspire. We love exploring the shadowed edges of life, the universe, and beyond through honest and thought-provoking conversations. Let's dive in. Hi, welcome to No Halos Here. This is Jen Lang and... Jane Stark. Hello. Hello. We're back again to this time dive into a topic of deconstructing beliefs while maintaining values or and maintaining values. There's, we've been playing with this topic. We've done some deep dives and oh my gosh, it's been, it's been quite interesting, but we're hoping to keep it in a framework that is digestible for you and not go down too many rabbit holes. Because when we started looking at definitions of beliefs <laughs> and definitions of values, I'm like, oh Ooh. my God, where do we start with this? It was pretty yeah. full on. A so, lot of rabbit holes. Definitely. Uh, how did you want to, did you want to start in with those definitions that we, uh, yeah. that we came up, that we found and came up with? Yeah, let's, let's set some context um, with the definitions that we feel resonated most strongly for us. And that is, so for beliefs, the definition that feels true, I'd say for both Jen and I, is that beliefs are assumptions that we hold to be true. They're contextual. So they arise from learned experiences and or cultural and environmental situations that we've experienced. Meaning that we use our beliefs to shape our world. We use them to make decisions. But when we do that, we're assuming that the causal relationships of the past leading to the belief also apply in the future. I don't know if that's a bit heady, but um, essentially our beliefs, I, I think the piece that stood up for me is that our beliefs are assumptions based on our lived experiences, whereas our values are typically universal. They're not so much contextual, and usually we derive our values from our needs. So it's what's important to us. It's, you know, based on the human experience, right? Many of us, we can say our, our core values are things like connection, health, integrity, trust, loyalty. authenticity, loyalty. Um, yeah. You know, I know we many of us have probably done various core values exercises to unearth. And I know I've done a couple where, you know, I'll get given like a page of, or pages of all these different types of values. Um, and usually it's just, it, it, they come from what, what our priorities are for our life. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you think yeah. Like I totally, I, I agree with that. And I, I actually want to bounce back to that beliefs definition too. And because that, what we talked about was quite heady. If you look at a belief is constructed from that past experience. Um, and what helped me make sense of this context is think of like an investment or a mutual fund and you go to see your financial advisor and they say, oh, this fund has been performing really well over the past five to 10 years. So we think you should put your money there. But that belief and that trust in that fund is based on past experience and it's no guarantee of future performance. Mm -hmm. So keeping that in mind, both in the money context and in your belief structure is 
your beliefs are are predicated on past experience, but they're not necessarily going to perform the same way throughout your entire life or as you mm-hmm. move through the future. And that's what prompted this discussion that Jane and I were having around this deconstructing your beliefs while maintaining your values. And it's 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 a fine line because what we came up with and we're going to talk about as a thread throughout this whole episode is basically the key to transformation is the curiosity and willingness to have your beliefs challenged then taking action to change them while still living in integrity with your value system yeah and so i think too the other uh piece that for me that really helped me differentiate too is that both of them are you can sh- can shift and change, right? Yes. Are, are transmutable. Our values as we move through our life can shift and change. I don't think they change as much as our beliefs yeah. can or do. And I know, I mean, in the in the space that we work in, oftentimes a lot of what I'm working with clients on is is unraveling and examining beliefs and then changing them so that we can, you know, help to grow and move forward. One of the things that um, you and I were just having a conversation about that kind of I was trying to think about as well as how to know when to change a belief. Oh, yeah. And so the kind of litmus test that we've not we've come up with, I know it's it's out there, but that I, we kind of came around to in our discussion is this first question of, is my belief serving me? Right? Like our beliefs are here to help us. So yeah. they're not, it's not all bad. I think we can very quickly get caught up in, especially again, in this space of growth and personal development in this idea that, oh, I've got to change my beliefs. I've got to, it's always about a belief and I've got to go and change things. And then you end up in this perpetual cycle yeah. of not enoughness really. Right. Yeah. And well, so belief doesn't serve me anymore. So I have to change it. So it's because yeah. I'm, I'm not complete with this, without this belief. Right. And, it's, and oh, if I've yeah. got a, you know, oh, now I, I'm, I have a belief in this. I'm going to use an example in a second to illustrate this, but you know, I have a belief in this, so I better change that if, you know, or, Oh, now I need to challenge that like that perpetual challenging. So all that to say the idea of beliefs can serve us and they can also keep us stuck. Yeah. And so that's kind of the very baseline of when looking at this, doing this work and looking at it going, well, you know, is this serving me? Yes. Great then, you know, nothing, nothing to do there necessarily. If you're trying to get somewhere and you're stuck and you're not, you know, going there, then probably there's a belief that is in the way. Some of the examples that we came up out of this, came up with out of this discussion over the past couple of days was uh, some of these, these are commonly held beliefs that are based on lived experiences. And I think you, you as a listener will probably identify with one or some of them, (laughs) that you need to work hard to be valued, linked to work ethic and reliability, and that you are not valued unless you're working hard. And this is, now, you could even go into define what does working hard feel like? Is it, does it provide satisfaction? Yes. And at what cost? So if you're if you've if you're living this belief that working hard is satisfying and filling your cup in every way possible 
without a balance of, you know, social time or downtime or other ways to see a more complete picture of your life, then maybe that's a belief that needs to be adjusted or changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I had that belief, right. Or some, a variation of that belief where I felt that, or I thought that in order to be valued, or let's say I connected my value to my, to say my identity or how hard I worked. And in the end, that wasn't serving me at all. And I ended up, you know, with health challenges and, and a lot of the, a lot of the common things of burnout and various health things. And so I really had to challenge that belief and it was hard. It was hard to unpack that and look at the fact that I actually don't need to be constantly going. I don't need to wear the busy badge of honor in order to have my value or my worth. And there was many layers of beliefs within that, that I had to be willing to look at. Yeah. But wow. It's so, but now today I, I, it's so rewarding when you can do that work and shift it because I've, I have really detached myself from that today. So then how is it, how do you, how does your day-to-day life look now compared to when you had that belief? Oh, that's a good question. There's so much more permission in my, in my day-to-day now. I could, like, um, yeah, just, I can do things like in my day-to-day now I could take a nap without feeling guilt. There's a lot of guilt that I've been able to let go of, right? That narrative, there's much less self-talk or negative self-talk, sorry, and narrative in my mind. Uh, My health has transformed. I used to be sick a lot. Mm. Um, You know, whether it was head colds, I was always prone to sinus uh, type stuff. So I'd get a head cold and it would turn into a massive sinus issue and I'd be out for a week or- I had, you know, I mean, I've, I've been through the more in-depth like health stuff as well with some semi-autoimmune stuff and whatnot. And I've been able to turn that stuff around drastically because I've actually unwound this belief. Like it was, it was the working hard. It was the never stopping. Yeah. It was the believing that I had to do more and more and more to be better, better, better. And it was the expense or sorry, it was at the expense of my health really. And so now, uh, I sleep better. I haven't, I mean, okay. This past year aside, cause that's a bit of a, a weird one to say, to, to talk about health, but like outside of that, I haven't been sick in yeah. a couple of years. Like, and when I do say get something like a minor cold or something like that, it's just that it's minor. It doesn't blow up into this big, um, head cold or sinus issue or whatnot. And so that's been the biggest shift, I think, but, and, you know, from a bigger picture and then on the day to day, it just, it looks like more flow. Like Mm, I allow myself more freedom, more flow. Yeah. Just to, to do what feels good for me. And if I'm having a day where I'm low energy, I now can allow myself to just have that day and honor that. Whereas before I couldn't do that. It was, 
which then puts even into the, you put me into this martyr position, right? This, oh, I've got to show up. I've got to, you know, I'm not feeling good. I've still got to go to work or do the thing. And I have way more boundaries around that now because I've been able to shift that belief. So much healthier, hey? It's even, I think it even plays out in the social expectations we put on ourselves. The belief yeah. that if I, for, for people like Jane and I are both self-employed, we both run our own um, coaching and mentorship businesses. So we, we have built in that flexibility into our lives However, it doesn't mean that we still don't struggle with those narratives from time to time. And even, I will use an example for myself, a few weeks ago, I was helping some friends out at their business and I caught myself, and Jane actually helped me point it out, helped point it out to me, mm-hmm. I caught myself shooting myself that I should be on my computer more often, I should be paying more attention to my business. And at the same time, she was like, did, did anyone die? In? No, no, there's no emergencies. No, like did the whole business the whole, fall apart. Did the whole business fall apart? No. So that I change, I, again, that belief came in like, oh no, I have, to, I have to be, even if I'm helping other friends out with their business, I still have to be paying attention to my business. And, you know, it's, if you're in a working situation where, I mean, the past year has changed so much and shifted so much for people in their relationship with work. Whether mm-hmm. you worked for a company, whether you worked for the government, if you worked for in the service industry, so if self-employed, you know, so much has shifted. And if you find yourself working in a, I don't know, I'd say government, corporate, more structured workplace, I would guess that part of that home time included a roller coaster of emotions around your beliefs of what work looked like and what was possible in working from home and how to manage those pieces of family life, work life, and your own well-being. Mm-hmm. And you're not alone in that. I, you know, it's, it's really important to say that you're not alone in this. And I think that's one piece that hasn't necessarily been addressed in the modern narrative around this past year. Mm -hmm. So the beliefs piece is really key to, I think, moving forward with your, with in the best possible way for you, whether that's health, family, relationships, work, what beliefs are you hanging on to, to reference what we talked about earlier? What beliefs are you even clinging on to desperately because you don't know what else is possible. Oh, yeah. Or you're not willing yeah. to look at what else willing is willing to look and see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> well, and it's interesting, because that makes me think too about sabotage, right? Yeah. And how easy it is for us to sabotage ourselves, we can be hanging on to a belief so dearly. And when we actually kind of peel back the layers a little bit, it's because it's that sabotage piece. It's keeping us yeah. stuck there. Yeah. Even though we want, we don't think we want to be stuck there. So yeah, they can be very sneaky in that way. There's always more layers. Um, do you want to always give more layers. some mm-hmm. of these examples of other beliefs that, um, that are, we've came, we've come up with, let's see. Yeah. What else do we have? The 
Oh, here's a good one. So there's a couple here. So the one of the beliefs that we were we were trying to come up with some real life examples of what we've seen and witnessed in both in our friends and in society in general. And another sort of belief that's held is that the value of the person is tied to their role in society. And we see this playing out in how certain jobs are compensated. And everything from like, why is a lawyer paid more than a childcare provider? Significantly more. Mm -hmm. Or why is, uh, let's see, I think of another example. You know, you could you can bake, break it down by gender, by like mm-hmm. skin color. You, there's so many of these parameters by which you can break it down. But this is a belief that a person is valued more highly based on their role in in society. So I encourage you as the listener to look at some of these beliefs that you might hold both about your own role as well as others that you encounter. And it doesn't have to be financial compensation. No, no. Oftentimes it's not. Yeah. It's how we treat people. Yes. It's how we, uh, it's how we talk about people or, or ourselves. Yeah. It's it's the subtle narratives. And they shape our interactions. Uh, What's another one? Oh, the belief that it's your fault that someone else feels a certain way. <laughs> uh, it's a I bit of a big one to unpack. Gonna, I know it's a huge one to unpack. And I, I think this is going to be worthy of its own episode at some point in the future. Uh, but how many times have you believed that it's your fault that someone else feels a certain way? Or vice versa. Or vice versa. Yeah, exactly. That's right. or that belief. You hang on to that belief. Where we blame. Yeah. Yeah. Blame. That it's their fault because we don't actually want to look at what's going on for us. Oh, that's so like. Ultimately, this all comes down to self-responsibility. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And the willingness to, again, change those look beliefs, at. ask those questions, take a look at how you're interacting in this world and again, that thing that's a self self responsibility is another episode we'll be diving yeah. into. It's great these conversations. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole. No, right we're not now, going but... down there today. Um, so then, how about with part of some examples? Well, we've already talked about some of the values. Um, how how does this play out in our day to day lives? I mean, we can talk about our own stories about how things have changed. I know for me the belief i think the belief that someone else feels a certain way was my fault i lived with that for quite a long time Mm, how did that play out well let's say it affected it's almost like I don't know if I'm going to use the example of like a spouse or family member or a loved one. For me, it would play out like a perfect example would be like your spouse or your partner is off kilter in a bad mood, whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. cranky, grumpy. And you immediately believe, and this is how I used to think, I used to think, oh my God, I did something wrong. Ah, That's why they're feeling that way. It's my fault they're feeling that way. Because I didn't take out the garbage or I didn't kiss them enough yesterday or I didn't, you know, 
And it becomes that not enoughness narrative that leads to the belief that it's my fault that this person is cranky. When in actual fact, it's probably nothing to do with you. And it is nothing to do with you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because they're responsible for how they feel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, I'm, so blessed that my husband and I can have these open conversations where if I'm feeling off kilter or cranky, I can literally say to him, I was like, it's nothing to do with you. I'm feeling a little weird today. So give me lots of leeway. And he does the same for me. And he's like, I can, yes. he, he's like, he can. Yeah, I've say, stepped into that narrative. as well. And that's, God, yeah. it's so freeing. Yeah, it, oh. So I'm just going to say it is, it feels so empowering because I, I've come to that place as well, where for me personally, when I notice that I'm in a bad mood, yeah, it's now, I'm now able to own that. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, 10 years ago, I was deflecting that. I can see, I can look back now and see how I was deflecting that type of stuff and, and always kind of even making it about another person when really it's, it's me to own the fact that I'm in a bad mood. I need to look at what's going on, or maybe I just need to, maybe it's not even looking at it. We don't always have to go down the path of looking at our stuff necessarily, but you know, owning it and just saying, Hey, yeah, like I'm in a bad mood. I recognize I'm being short. Just know it's not about, it's not about you or it's not you. And I don't mean that as in like, it's not you, it's nothing you've done, but it's like, no, I know that this is my stuff to look at. And Mm. while I may be irritable with you, (laughs) It's, you know, and I apologize for that. Just know that this is where I'm at. And sometimes that's even all we need to do, right? Like this is where I'm at and just call it out. We're completely going on tangent there again, but you were saying about that's how it sort of would play out in your life. And now you're able to. Yeah, that's how it would play out. And I I guess one perfect example from sort of my past as a, as an opera singer and performer might be. Uh, you know, singing a show, performing in a show, and, you know, the premiere happens or the first, you know, and not reading the critics report the following day, Mm. or not reading what the critics have to say, because it's not of my business how they respond to the performance. Right. And leading that, you know, that when I learned or I sort of started to really put into practice is none of my business what someone else thinks of me. That like that's a tough one. It's a, it's Was it a, hard? Was it hard not to uh, not to read critics? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I was never I was never like in the in the huge spotlight. Right. I would sometimes read what the what the reviewers had to say from their perspective about you know, people who stood out in the show or people who I would read mm-hmm. that because it was interesting. And, you know, sometimes as a performer, you have to read it because you need to grab snippets like that for promo and for copy. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. yes, I read it. However, there is the level of distancing you have to put into place as like what this person thinks is none of my business. So yeah, I remember Gosh, when I was doing my master's degree, there was one of the one of the professors uh, voice on the panel. It was one of those senses, even before I got into this world, that he always graded me the harshest. He always, you know, his comments were always, they're full of vitriol. 
Like mm. that just really, they weren't necessarily helpful in the sense they, they came from a more vindictive place rather than a helpful place. And like, right. ironically, this person was less than 10 years older than me and had a very different career trajectory. And I was, it used to bother me. And I was like, it's nothing to do with me, how this person mm -hmm. feels. Mm -hmm. They like, it's nothing to do with me. And I can look back with love now on where that person might've been in their lives and why they were writing that way. And it probably was a whole bunch of other pressure, other job and position pressure that was nothing to do with me. It had absolutely nothing to do with you. Yeah. So that belief that I'd held that it's almost like the, oh, this person doesn't, this person doesn't like me or my voice or my singing, therefore I'm not a good singer. So it can be easy to go down that path mm -hmm. of acceptance when in actual fact, how that one person responded was nothing to do with me. They were doing their job. But looking back now, I can go, okay, well, yes, there are better ways that they could have done those kinds of things. It's nothing to do mm -hmm. with me. Mm -hmm. So changing these beliefs is very freeing. Yeah. very inspiring and amazing and i fully expect them to change again you know mm -hmm. yeah it's As sort of a never-ending yeah it's the constant growth piece i guess right yeah well and that takes that makes me think about like the growth pieces i think we i think you mentioned it in the opening here but this idea that the beliefs that got you where you are today are not necessarily the beliefs that will get you where you want to be in the future so yeah. which also comes back to that looking at what's serving you and not serving you based on where you want to go but i found i find that that really landed for me because that is a lot of the work that I've done personally is undoing and looking at my own beliefs. Yeah. And also realizing that they're all based on tip generally they're based on, like we say, lived experience and sort of societal conditioning. Yeah. And so what got me, it, it's sort of like what got me to the place I am. I'll just continue to stay in that place unless I change things or look at things. And Sometimes that might be a good thing. Sometimes it's not. Right. So then how does that, how does that belief or those beliefs, how do they continue to be informed by our values? How do they continue to be informed by our values? So if your belief changes, mm -hmm. but your value is more constant, how do you continue to honor and this may not be a question that you specifically can answer. How can you continue to honor the value, your value? So, mm -hmm. for example, one is oneness. One of my values right now is oneness, um, connection, and freedom. Those are three mm -hmm. of my mm -hmm. values. And so how can, if you're really looking into beliefs and changing beliefs, and all of a sudden it causes you also to question a value, mm -hmm. how Oh, how do you, how do you do that? How do you, I guess you have to look even, that's another layer. Are you, yeah. How do you do what specifically? I guess what is I'm it... asking is, is. 
How do you honor your value? How do you honor the value um, while changing your belief? This is kind of, which is the core of this whole episode. Mm -hmm. And what if that belief asks you to ask, starts to ask you to question your value, those values? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's where we have to remember that, yeah, values are more constant, but they're not absolute. Right. So values can shift and change as well, right? Like I definitely, uh, you know, I think my values have shifted over time yeah. as well as my, my beliefs much more so, but my values as well. I mean, I still want to, you know, a top value of mine is family, mm. um, you know, family connection, freedom as well. But those have probably shifted a little bit in terms of where they fall on my right. list of priorities. You know, perhaps I don't know. I don't know if I've experienced it personally, but perhaps, yeah, maybe somebody has a value and they do such a big shift that that value no longer resonates at all. And it kind of falls off the list. I guess that's probably a possibility as well. But I think allowing some fluidity within our value within system. Yeah. yeah. And, but also I, I think, you know, another one, and this is more tied to the beliefs, but one that's kind of come to mind for me, an example of the beliefs and values relationship is like I say, value or sorry, family is a big value of mine. And I grew up in a very connected family. Mm-hmm. We're still very close. I definitely inherited or I inherited, I should that family value from, you know, my parents, I think it's definitely something that, uh, you know, is very strong for them. However, my beliefs around that value have really shifted. And okay. Yeah. Like as we're talking, this is kind of coming to me through this conversation, you know, where I think before I would put family or my belief was probably, it was a bit around this idea of putting everyone else in ahead of yourself. Right. And I would put family ahead of everything else. And I don't know that family has even shifted on my priority level um, of values. However, my belief now and my understanding has gotten to a place where I actually, I'll say this. (laughs) I don't know if I've actually said this out loud before, but I think I, like me, has, I value myself now more than, I I almost want to say more than anything. I don't, I don't know. I got to sit with that, but, but I've, because my belief has come around to, if I value myself, then that's actually contributing positively to my family. And that is helping, that is supporting that belief or sorry, that value. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. Okay. Because making sure as, because as I'm talking this out, I'm like, whoa, I haven't actually talked this out, but that's something where, Ooh, so that's an example actually, even of where I don't know that I would have put myself on my values list. Oh, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. And now it's like, it's up there. It's one of the top because I see how it feeds all the rest of my values. I now understand that by valuing myself, I am giving to my family in the and your and highest you, way possible. And your family value is a top priority because you're valuing yourself 
as well. Yes. Yes. Ooh. And so I then, also used to project that out. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, questions. no, you so go then, ahead. Well, I was just going to share that I used to have very certain beliefs about how that should look even for other people. So for example, I think I look back and I would project that onto my husband that if he didn't act a certain way, it meant he didn't value family because that's how I believed valuing family had to look. Wow. Wow. So this is, yeah, that's been a big, there we go. There's the deeper stuff of some of the examples of the bigger shifts. Yeah. Yeah. And how that can, that can also predicate our actions and our interactions with our loved ones. Yeah. So then we fall into the belief creates the judgment that then actually divides the family more right. than unifies mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Which if we if you look at those, oh gosh, I hope hope I hope this isn't too deep and heady for our listeners, but if if you resonate with any of this, like definitely let us know because it's it's so This is where our conversations go. This is yeah. actually this is us, yeah. right? This is a part yeah. of why we want to start this podcast. But yes, we can get very heady. <laughs> very granular and also, you know, if you look at those if you're holding that belief or that judgment, then it's over the long term, it's gonna create resentment in a in a loving relationship. Oh, and it did. Yep. And so then if you can't see the resentment, but you don't know the root cause or the core um, trigger for that resentment, then it basically leads to disagreement and probably down the road divorce. But it's one of those Mm -hmm. things where simply by adjusting a belief about a situation, and I say simply because it is literally that simple about adjusting the belief, didn't say it was easy and simple but not easy yes simple but not easy and finding the right support and finding the right people with whom you can uh, explore it explore a belief in a loving honest supported way it's invaluable mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. giving yourself permission yeah. to look at that too that's well that's the thing <sighs> i mean what you just shared about what you shared about my share um, about having to look at things. So for example, yes, when I was projecting what I thought valuing family looked like on others around me, it did cause resentment when they weren't expressing in that way. And so kind of back to what we were saying earlier about making it other people's fault Mm-hmm. I had to look at that's where this is a there this is a, the example of where I actually still had to stop and look and go is this serving me like I'm so stuck in my belief yeah. of what this is supposed to look like and I'm not happy and it was once I was able to challenge that and go huh perhaps the two of us can actually hold the same belief say family using family as the example but the, or sorry, hold the same value. Sorry, not belief, hold the same value, but the expression of that value can look different Yeah. because we each have different lived experiences, right? Like if I'm using my husband and I, we each grew up in different scenarios and different situations. And man, was I like locked into how that needed to look for a long time. And now that I've been able to let that go, 
more and understand that it can look many different ways. And a big part of that, so part of that was letting go of that belief, looking a certain way and allowing it to have more flexibility and fluidity. The other part of it was what I was sort of, how I got into that conversation was the moving myself up the list on my values and my priorities and seeing how that actually benefits all of my other values and my family and everyone else. Your family value. Oh, that's a great example. It's so so huge and so Mm -hmm. transformative. That's, that's the piece. And it comes back to this I, you know, I wanted to grow. I wanted to, I had the desire that I wanted things to look differently in my life. And so I had to look at my beliefs and my values in tandem. And then I had to be willing to transform some of my beliefs. If I had not had that willingness, which for quite a while, I didn't, I wanted to, you know, I, I was keeping myself stuck, but that's also where you hear this saying a lot of like, you are the one standing in your own way. Yes. And this is kind of what I think what that means. It's definitely you're the only one in your own way. Oftentimes I look at that and I'm like, Hey, I'm the one standing in my own way. Yep. And which again leads to the self-sabotage piece because mm-hmm. you don't want it to end that subconscious self-sabotage sometimes is so sneaky. Oh, Gosh, so it's sneaky. So sneaky. And so once you start to, you've, There's never a moment where you have it all figured out. It's going to be completely honest like that. And you can spend a lifetime studying meditation and you won't have it all figured out. And it's the same thing on all these layers. And this is part of the experience of being human and moving through this journey. Um, But to wind it back to these values and beliefs pieces is your values, your core values can shift and change, of course, as well. Those Mm -hmm. beliefs will be informed by those values in some way or another, but like you said, the values can, the nuance of those values will change as you change. And that discomfort, basically, part of the reason we change is that discomfort or dissatisfaction becomes so great that we have to find something else to, Mm -hmm. we have to find a way to shift it. And mm-hmm. I used the example of when I lived overseas in the United Arab Emirates. And when we first arrived, people used this joke about, you know, you've got two buckets when you arrive and one gets filled with money and one gets filled with crap. And when one of the buckets is full, you leave. And <laughs> it's, it's like, it's a funny analogy. And, you know, it took us some time to consider that. And I actually don't think that one of our buckets was more full than the other. You know, they they both, you know, they both inch up and they edge up and those kinds of things. And we made a very conscious decision to leave for a number of different reasons. It wasn't actually to do with those buckets, but it's, it's a mm-hmm. funny analogy. And we saw that pattern play out with friends there, with people there. Hmm. It's, it's very... Um, but you can apply that analogy to other parts of your life too. The discomfort of staying the same has to be great, has to be greater in order to force the change. But if you're not willing to do the change, then there's a quote, I think it's Michael Bernard Beckwith. um, I'm not positive of the look, but has a a quote that, you know, the pain will push you until the pleasure or the passion pulls you. Right. Yes. Great quote. Okay. So how do we want to, I think we should, 
wrap this up. So yeah, we'd love to hear from you about your beliefs and your realizations out of this podcast. And, you know, have you ever done a values exercise and have you ever, you know, yeah, I think, you know, one of the pieces of is knowing your core values, right? I think that's a really important place to start is knowing your core values. So doing a core, there's lots of tons of resources out there on, on how to identify core values. Yeah. And then from there, you know, starting to look at and examining what beliefs are holding those values. I think one of the, to circle back on that is again, remembering that beliefs are based on assumptions, whereas values are based on priorities and our, our human needs. And so that's always, that's a good way to, to differentiate and to, to look at those. And yes, they can shift, right? Like I say, for me, my priorities and my needs as a, for my human experience shifted. So my values shifted a little bit. Um, but the beliefs that we hold are assumptions. And that also helps us remember our humanness, I think as well, yeah. you know, when we're, especially, I mean, where we're at right now in the world, right? I mean, everybody there's beliefs we've got yeah (laughs) beliefs compounding on beliefs compounding on beliefs Mm -hmm. that are informing our actions and our day-to-day lives and but also to remember and have compassion that everybody's beliefs are coming from a place of their all they know right it's their conditioning or their lived experience or their assumptions about things and Sometimes I, I have to, when I get really triggered or heated, like heated about something that's helping me slow down and take a breath and be like, right. It's that listening piece of mm-hmm. how can I use this to listen and maybe understand where that person is coming from? I may totally disagree with them, but right, their belief is coming from a place of their own experience. Right. And that's not to say that it's right or wrong or good yeah. or bad. Yes. Remove the value so, judgment that we apply to that belief system. It's simply different from yours. I think this is the topic worth diving into again, uh, perhaps mm-hmm. with um, actually even with, with my husband, with Kirk, because he's got some very mm. interesting, I'm sure he'd have a lot to add to the conversation. So awesome. we'll watch out for that in the future. Because I think it would be uh, it'd be a great conversation. Mm-hmm. So I think in order to yeah to to wrap it up, then it's this idea that beliefs are assumptions, values are based on your your human needs and your experience of being human. And if you're feeling stuck, the key to transformation is having the curiosity and willingness to have your beliefs challenged, and then taking action on that. That's where the growth comes from. Yeah, and that's the you know, that's kind of the gold. <laughs> it's totally where the gold is. And it's going to help. Honestly, it's it literally will change your life. If you're willing mm-hmm. to look at those beliefs and challenge those assumptions, then brilliant. And it's not easy work. But speaking from experience, it gets easier. Yes. The more you do it, totally. the easier it gets. Yeah, so. definitely. And you don't have to do it alone, either. No, Please, you know, build your team, find your team, find one even one person, even a trusted friend or some someone with whom you can start to explore this and then maybe look at finding another professional in a different, um, a completely different field from you to help you shed, yeah. a, shed light. So 
totally worth looking at. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. And I think we'll wrap it up there. Any closing comments, Jane? Mm -hmm. No, I think we've, we've kind of said what needs to be said here. Yeah. So watch out for values and beliefs part two with a few other people. And uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Take it easy. Have an amazing rest of your day. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for these conscious combos. If you're ready to dive deeper, head on over to wearejenandjane.com to continue the conversation. If you loved this episode, please take a moment to share it with your friends or your network and leave us a review by going to Apple Podcasts. Find us on Instagram at wearejenandjane and let us know what you enjoy and what you would like to see more of. We'd love to hear from you.